Jewish Latin Princess episode 127, Ask Yael. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at JewishLatinPrincess.com, your host, Yael. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to the show. Today we have an Ask Yael episode with such great questions. You can always send me questions via email or DM on Instagram. Those are the two best ways to reach me. And I usually try to give you a short answer right away or let you know that I'm addressing it pretty soon on the show. And then I will let you know and send you the link so that you know your answer is here. And I actually had a co host lined up for this show. But unfortunately, we kept trying to make our schedules work and we couldn't make it happen this time. I mean, it's hard. It's hard with young kids at home. I get it. But the show must go on ladies and there will be plenty of other opportunities. And so by the way, if you ever want to co host, let me hear from you. You know where to find me Yael at JewishLatinPrincess.com or DM on Instagram, either tell me that you want to co-host or send me those questions. So today is actually not just an exciting day because it's Ask Yael, which is one of my favorite shows to record episodes, I guess, but it's also the first day of Jewish Money Makeover Level 2. Yes, I don't know if you're aware, but I ran a four-week program called Jewish Money Makeover. And towards the end of the program on week three, my students said, okay, Yael, will we get a level two? And so I thought long and hard about it. And I created a level two program for them, which is a bit different than what we did on level one, but based on the same exact principles. And I can't give it all away now. But my plan is that by the end of July, you will see me launch a super robust Jewish money makeover, which will be a combination of what I've done in levels one and two plus more. So if you want first dibs on that, head over to jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash waitlist. It's a two second entry, literally, so that I know that you're interested. And by the way, I have a bunch of people on that waitlist already. Thank you very much. And the reason that I'm encouraging all of you to do that is that those people on the waitlist will get to enroll before I open the course to everyone else, which might even mean that I just fill the course with the people on the in the waiting list and then I just close enrollment because again it's going to be limited spots um, a little bit bigger than this time but still limited spots because it's a very high touch experience as my students can attest so if you're interested in transforming your financial life all from a Jewish perspective just get yourself on that waiting list and later on you'll be able to see if the course is actually for you but I want you to at least have the chance to be one of those first ones to have the opportunity to enroll so Jewish Latin princess.com forward slash waitlist now Today's questions are super varied. I mean, you guys are awesome. We have everything from meditation to marriage to money and more. All super great questions. So let's go right to the mailbag. Our first question comes from Sandy on Instagram. And she says, Hi, Yael. I love your podcast and how you incorporate Judaism into your everyday life. Thank you, Sandy. (laughs) I'm working on myself to be more mindful and to bring more awareness to my everyday practices. I am trying to do more meditation yet have had have had 
no, yet have a hard time with a lot of meditations and practices out there because I sometimes feel like the meditation is borderline avodazara, which means idol worship. I'm doing one meditation course now, which includes several Sanskrit mantras. Do you have any meditations you enjoy doing that incorporate Judaism and its principles? I'd love to hear if there are any that you practice. I know you speak about meditation when you daven, and you, meaning when you pray, and you are constantly trying to bring awareness to all aspects of your life through Jewish perspective. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts. I love Sandy's question. I, 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 I guess, Sandy, maybe you've been on the show for a long time because it seems like you get me and you get the kind of the vibe around here. And this is just such a great question. And the timing actually was like, absolutely perfect, which is exactly what I told. I, I couldn't believe it when I when I, the, the question popped in my Instagram, I said, Sandy, I mean, like this timing is perfect because Sandy wasn't the first to ask within the same week that Sandy asked me two other people asked me practically the same question. So Sandy, you are correct. You are correct. You are right to be concerned about the sources of some of the meditations out there. The good news is that you can practice meditation and that meditation can be kosher can be completely clean of this type of um, of influences. In fact, people who really know how to engage in the art of prayer, they really know how to meditate. The whole idea of prayer and of Torah learning before engaging in prayer, especially mystical aspects of Torah, which so many people practice still today, is meditation. That's the whole um, idea behind all that. It's to get you to use your mind to reach a more elevated state when you engage in prayer. Having said that, we are in a time when we need things a little bit more bite-sized, a bit more simplified, a bit more accessible. That is true. So we need access, we need to access the benefits of meditation like yesterday. You know, we needed to do this like yesterday. I get it. We all need it. Whether we can pray from a Hebrew prayer book or delve into a mystical text at 6 a.m. or not, we still need the benefits. So don't despair because you can have that. And I'm going to give you today a bunch of ideas, Sandy and everybody else. Number one, I would like for you to go back to the following amazing episodes with two experts in the field of medication, not not medication, meditation and mindfulness, Dr. Ruth Devorah Wallen on episodes 49 and 63. But particularly on episode 49, we get into meditation itself. But they're both very enlightening episodes as she's a therapist, she's an expert on mindfulness and meditation. And this is this is really her forte. I've worked with her before. Another great episode which covers the topic of meditation is episode 52 with Mrs. Fruma Rosenberg. Um, so both those episodes will help you understand what is exact what exactly is kosher meditation and introduce the idea of how to do it. Furthermore, I think they will give you the permission, the permission to keep exploring this further. Um, well, I'm actually I'm actually giving you the permission, Sandy. <laughs> and additionally, I want you to also go back to episode 118, not too long ago, 118 with Dr. Azriela Jankovic, who is also a meditation instructor. And although we didn't get into the technicalities of Jewish meditation as much as I did with, say, Rustavora or Fruma, I think you will find it helpful. Um, I also 
want you to let to want you to know that she has a terrific program that I'm a part of actually it's called circle of insight it's a group mindfulness and meditation program that happens virtually and I can attest to the fact that it is terrific I mean I didn't know what to expect when I joined but I found the program to be highly highly enriching um and I, I'll say it honestly. I'm actually totally hooked. <laughs> she she knows it. I, I just I just love showing up for that program. I love her voice. I love the way she does it. And again, this is coming from someone who generally has a very hard time stopping and doing any of this. If you know anything about me, you know I'm much more of a go 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 type of gal, much more of a doer. And it's hard for me to just slow down and do this, even though I know that it's important. But Azzy encouraged me to try it, and she was right. I was completely hooked, literally hooked. I mean, her voice, her stories, the meditation, all of it. So it's become my one hour a week of self-care. Um, and if you or anyone listening wants to try it, you can find a, a special offer that she's having for my listeners at jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash circle. And I believe if you enter the code princess at checkout, you will get your first circle at 50% off, which it's you end up having a session of $9, which is something com- for $9 with a code, which is something completely, completely crazy, trust me, because it's so much more um, so much more valuable than that. Um, so I encourage anybody who wants to try it just to give it a shot. Um, but maybe listen to the episode first, see how you like her vibe, etc. And you but you can do that at jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash circle and then enter the code princess at checkout. Now, Sandy, I've given you so far, let's see, four episodes of the podcast to listen to carefully. And uh, by the way, in Ruth Devorah Wallen's episodes, you can find information about accessing her meditation audios, which is another great resource, which I have personally used in the past. Again, I've just had a hard time with the accountability and getting myself to really just show up for this for this, for myself, that's the bottom line. And so for me, being part of the circle works because I feel compelled to show up to do the work. Um, But if you're more of an independent person and will actually get the work done, you can try that as well. Plus, I'm giving you another resource for you to try on your own or in combination with whatever else you're gonna do, whether it be with Dr. Yankovic, with Mrs. Wallen, or any other resource that you're doing. I've put together a freebie, a free resource with my favorite Jewish meditations. And so thank you, Sandy, because the truth is that I've gotten so many questions about this over the years. And I, and as I said, even during the week that you asked the question, and you specifically asked about abundance meditation. So it happens to also be one of the topics that I discussed with my students during the Jewish money makeover, not meditation per se, but the ways to build trust in God and how certain parts of prayer upon which we're meant to meditate, of course, as I said before, how these are built into the system and the structure of prayer so that we actually build um, build that trust and, and really, so it becomes really a meditation for us. So what I did, thanks to Sandy, was I created for everybody listening a free download with my my favorite seven Jewish meditations to build trust and increase abundance. Some of these concepts I've discussed in depth with my students, um, but I'm giving you here a bunch that I think are great. They're Jewish teachings and or prayers, depending, which I've broken apart for you or explained so that you can then choose one a day 
or just take one or a few, however you want to use it. And focus and really take a few minutes of your day. It doesn't have to be more than that. I suggest early morning or perhaps sometimes right before bed. Either one works nicely. I do. I also do. I do both, but um, depends. So I suggest doing either the morning or the night right before bed to just focus on them. Just choose one and go with it. And by that, I mean like focus on your breath um, and just contemplate this one, one thought that you're going to choose from that um, file that I'm giving you. And if you want more information on the breath, I'm sure... Um, Asi Yankovic has a lot of information on the breath and Rustavora also has tons of resources on the breath. So you can combine all of that together. So what I've done is I'm giving you the, I guess the meditations, the thoughts that I personally use and which I've found tremendously helpful over the years. And especially now that I've been in the circle with um, Dr. Yankovic, I've pushed myself to go back to these three ideas and really use them in my free time in the morning in the evening when I'm not when I'm when I'm not part of the circle itself. And so I do it independently and I see how much more I'm gaining from using these seven meditations in combination with my breathing work that I learn as part of the group. So I hope you find that useful. You can find it at jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash meditate. Completely free for any of you listening. Um, jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash meditate. Okay, so we have another question from Lisa. I actually don't know Lisa. Oh yeah, Lisa came from Instagram. That's where Lisa came from. Lisa actually was referred to, um, was referred to me by a friend. And so she says, yeah, hi, Yael, I am Jewish and I'm married to a non-Jewish man and I'm having issues around money. I'm very interested in your money date concept, but I'm not sure where to start. All right, Lisa, thanks for your question. Thanks for reaching out. So first of all, you're not alone. This is a topic that causes tension in many marriages. And I'm sorry to hear that you're having issues in this area. Um, but you're not alone. It's it's very common. And and the reason or reasons, plural, are number one, that money is an emotionally charged topic. We tend to think that it's just cold hard numbers, calculators, spreadsheets, but the truth of the matter is that it is an it's 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 a lot about emotions. And number two, that we were never taught to feel those emotions, to process them, or to talk about money and face the emotions that come up as we're discussing it. So most people don't like talking about money because the intensity of the emotion leaves them wondering, hey, like, where did that electric shock come from? Like, I just better not go there. And number three, because we each have a different money mindset that has been shaped by our infancy, by the home we grew up with, our faith, our community, our upbringing, our experiences with money from the from when we were very young until today. So all the good and the not so good, everything that we've experienced that creates a certain money mindset that we don't, we're not necessarily conscious that we have, okay? And so if it's difficult between two people who come from the same value system to have these type of conversations. So let's say Judaism. So it, it, it's, it's difficult for, for, for two people who come from the same value system um, to have these conversations because 
we might ultimately have similar values. But again, my mindset around money is different than my my husband's because we're different individuals with different life experiences. So we might come from the same value system, but it doesn't mean that we can still talk about money because we're wired in a different way based on our different life experiences. So if that is the case for somebody who comes with from a, from a certain similar culture, similar value system, etc., I can expect that it's going to be perhaps a little bit more challenging when we're mixing in another value system, as you mentioned on your note to me that your husband is not Jewish. And you've you even mentioned um you even mentioned his cultural background, which I'm not going to mention here for privacy. But so I think those things can make it a little bit harder. But um, and, I'm, and I'm guessing that's why you brought it up. I'm guessing that's why you added those details, because you realize that this might be another layer of complexity in the situation. And, and you're right, it is. But nothing is lost here. Nothing is lost. The The money date is definitely a must. And you ask, where do you start? <laughs> So I always tell people that the way to breach the subject is by making it about you and how you would like to become closer to your partner. Listen, nobody likes to hear, I want to have a talk to you about money. Nobody wants to like be pinned against the wall like, we need to have a talk. That, that just doesn't work very well, okay? So it has to be approached by how you would like to share some things that have been on your mind and that you think that possibly he'll be able to understand you better. And you, you're hoping that this is something that as you share it with him, will help you become closer and that it, you're a little nervous, it's a little vulnerable, would, would he be willing to go out with you? Uh, and and because you because you want to talk about it, and you can tell him it's, it's about my money. And, you know, some things that I've discovered about my money mindset. And so here the key, Lisa is to become vulnerable. Um, you have to tell him that you like to invite him on a date and you want to share with him what your your thoughts on money are, what you've discovered about your own experience and your own mindset and your own past, etc. And then you have to be able to actually do that to get to share and get vulnerable. Now, you can also tell him that you're inviting him on this date because you'd like to discuss your financial goals together as a couple and find ways to align your values, your priorities, and set some goals for your future together. That might also speak. But notice here that the language is very much non-accusatory. It's very much one of, I feel that I have things that I would like to share with you because you're my partner, because we're building a life together. You know, that has to be like the tone. Um, And then in addition to that, the key to the money date is to making it a recurring, to make it a recurring thing, not a one-time thing. So your goal should be that you should try to have these experiences regularly. So it's something that you work into both your calendars at least once a month, better if it's more often. And it doesn't have to be too long. It could be 30 minutes to an hour, no more than that. And it's a space that needs to be safe. It needs to be free of judgment and accusations and where you bring in empathy and understanding and vulnerability, a lot of I statements and a lot of appreciation for any little strides and progress that your partner is making and or that you're making together. So expressing gratitude is always an important ingredient. 
Um, and at the very least, just for the fact that you're taking the time to do this for the relationship. So you also want to keep it light. You want to keep it light and bring in whatever elements of your personality would help here. If it's tea and chocolate, or if it's a walk in the park, or if it's spreadsheets on the kitchen table, or laptops on the couch with blankets, I don't know. You have to personalize it, but it doesn't always have to be super serious because the topic can get heavy. And also because not every date will warrant your spreadsheets and your bank statements, um, especially at the beginning when you're really focusing on what are those money stories and money mindsets that you both bring into the relationship and what are those values that you each or both feel very strongly about and what are those goals that you want to achieve together. So all those conversations, you know, you could have them in the park, you go for a walk, you go to a coffee shop. I mean, we can't right now, pandemic, whatever, but, you know, get creative. And, and, and yeah, there will be dates that will have to be a little bit more technical or a lot more technical for sure. Um, but then again, even then there will be times when you're back to discussing a new goal, discussing uh, and a new way to allocate your money, and then you're going to filter it through those values that you've, you know, already established for yourselves. Or there might be something like the birth of a child, or a family event that requires a big expense, or how to prepare, you know, for those experiences, um, pivots in your careers, and big things like that. So again, times when you're not necessarily bringing the numbers in yet, but you will. So it's it's a dance between the more technical and the more philosophical, if you will, or the more um, emotional. Um, and so what I would say, Lisa, for you or anybody listening, I would recommend that you download a free guide that is actually quite thorough uh, and will really, really get you started. It's go- it's a money date checklist, but it's so much more than a checklist. Uh, you can go to jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash money date and, and download that. And you can do many of, it, of the exercises that I have there by yourself. And maybe then you share them with your husband and see if he would like to do them also or if he would like to share you know what he what he thinks as you you share what came up for you what you answered etc so ideally you've done them for yourself and then this is like a great opening a great starting point to because then you'd be sharing what you've discovered about yourself and then seeing if he's open to also discover about himself and if he's not yet ready for that then that's fine at the very least try to get him to agree on another date and then you build from there okay then you build from there trying to make these into a regular occurrence so the goal is to create a safe place we're talking about money is the norm and it's not something scary or threatening so we want to avoid having financial conversations at random times like right before bed or when you're rushing to a meeting or to call a client or cooking dinner or whatever it might be no You want to make it a sacred time and space to talk about money and every money conversation happens then. They don't happen outside of that framework. And you'll find that there's very little things that need to happen outside of that that framework. Once this is established, there's very little that is such a big emergency that warrants discussing money at a a time when it's not your weekly or biweekly um, or monthly time where you discuss money. And and it really is so much healthier that way because you walk into the conversation much more emotionally and mentally prepared every time. And your probabilities of 
of it going smoother increase dramatically. So you just let you win on every on, on, on every count. So head over to jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash money date and um, download that. It's going to be super helpful. All right. So I have also a third question from Anonymous. And Anonymous says the following. She says, I control all the finances in my marriage and I feel bad telling my husband how much to spend or not to spend. After all, he does make a good living. I'm constantly playing a juggling act, managing credit cards, payments, expenses, etc. I'm exhausted of managing the bulk of our financial life. What do I do? All right. Anonymous. I'm going to answer you in a similar way as I did to Lisa. You need to start having money dates and you need to share with him that you'd like to include him more and make him a more active part of the financial decisions. Um, I don't know if you've tried that before, but that's the way I would approach it. Again, without blaming, without resentment, just matter of fact. And if you can highlight how appreciative you are of the fact that he does make a good living for the family, et cetera, et cetera. And there might be other things that you could bring in to highlight and show appreciation for even better build him up and share with him that you'd love to get more input from him about the financial matters that you run as you feel that that would be helpful to you so notice how it's about you it's not about him and then once he's open to having those conversations and to looking at the numbers with you and giving you his input, then see if you can come to an arrangement where he's more involved on a regular basis or where you can divide the financial tasks better in a way that in a way that is works better for you because he might be willing to do that. I mean, you didn't you didn't say here whether this arrangement was because he doesn't want to or was more because you by default gravitated towards that. But you might be surprised. Uh, there are many ways to split those tasks and you can, you know, you can find the different strong suits and go for it because each each one of you has different areas where you're stronger in. And so you can div- divide and conquer. It doesn't have to be all you. And by the way, just because you do it one way now doesn't mean that you can't change later on. That's the beauty of this. If you, that if you're both involved and more or less aware of how financial things are run, then a lifestyle change comes up like the birth of a new baby, a move, an illness, God forbid, or whatever. And then you can divvy up the tasks differently. But but it, that can that can happen because there's been constant communication and you've been both aware of how things are divided amongst you. And then, you know, you can shift. And for example, at the beginning of my marriage, my husband ran everything related to the day-to-day finances. And I was more in charge of the long-term investment accounts and all that stuff. And then we realized after the last recession in 2008 that that just was not going to work out for us. And then we went into a situation where I managed everything. Then over the years, we've gravitated to to doing it together. Um, and, although, and, and that has worked for... Wow, for a while now, it really does happen. It does work. Although I'll say that I do have more awareness about what's going on with long-term investment accounts for ourselves and the children than he does. And he's more on top of the day-to-day. So even though we are both very well aware and every week we look at the accounts that need to be looked at together and we do our cash flow together and our bills together, which means that 
At any minute, if our roles needed to shift, I can certainly take over the day-to-day management, even though it's his sole responsibility. It's, 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 he's mostly responsible for that. And Or he certainly knows how to take care of the longer-term savings and investment accounts because we're both communicating about it all the time. So we've it's, it's like we're doing it half and half and it works for us like that right now. But again, you can shift over time and that's the point and that's part of the beauty of this. So I want you to anonymous to head over to jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash money date and see if that will help you. And actually, I know, I know it will help you because it's, it'll, it'll get you started. And then from that, you have a starting point to talk to him. And it also gives you the whole structure of of things to cover during these money dates. So it's really fabulous. All right. We have our last question. I think I had more questions, but uh, I think I'm going to just do this one last. And this question is from Sarah. And Sarah says, (laughs) Sarah, this this is a funny question. Sarah says, Yael, help. I heard you once say that you're a multi-potentialite. So I don't remember, Sarah, if I said it here on the podcast or I put it on social media, but but you're right. (laughs) So Sarah continues, I am too. I'm feeling frustrated about my inability to focus on one thing. I seem to be doing so many things, but wonder if if this is the correct approach. I have a few jobs that give me a stable income, but aren't necessarily my passion. Then I do a bunch of other projects that I love, like writing books, coaching clients, and public speaking. They are not stable income, but many of these give me a lot of joy. I'm also always very busy. I'm addicted to being busy. I feel like I'm not finding what's my thing and making money at it. Oi, Sarah, I feel your pain. You've come to the right person. I could totally relate to so much of this. Indeed, I am a multi-potentialite. And I want to say two things and encourage you to take pen and paper and write about what I'm about to tell you. And I have to give credit um, to Kathy Heller for a lot of what I'm about to share with you, um, but it's been super helpful to me, so I'm going to share it with you as well. And if you haven't heard the episode where I interviewed Kathy, it's episode 124, and it's very, very worthwhile listening to. Uh, her book also is a very good book. It's called Don't Keep Your Day Job. And here's what I recommend. Number one, um, I would list at least five things that you would be doing in your ideal life. Like, like what is it that you would love to be doing without filtering it, without putting limits on it? If there were no obstacles, what would you do? Who would you be? Would it be motivational speaker? You said you like public speaking would it be motivational speaker would it be author would it be running a bed and breakfast in Cape Cod would it be life coach would it be a kids educator would it be a parenting expert would it be a teenage teenagers educator for teenagers or a motivational speaker for particularly for teens like what are those things and just jot them out on a paper what are those things that are like so dreamy to you and then go through that list and circle the one that makes you feel most expansive that makes you feel like that excitement that tingle in your belly okay because and I think Kathy explained this in the in in the episode or maybe I I heard her say it but I know for myself um, also that when we do that there really is a lot of wisdom in that when we that that feeling that we get when we 
look at the thing in front of us that is like, ah, this is just so exciting to me. There is a lot of wisdom right there. So do that for yourself. See what comes up. Let me give you another tip. Okay. Something that you can do that also gives us a clue into the direction that we should be heading. Something that you can do is ask a bunch of people who really know you. I actually did this recently. It was actually very cool. Ask them, what do you come to me for? Like, what am I your go-to friend for? And actually, you'll be surprised. People are so happy to tell you. So send it out to five friends, five really good friends. Ask them the question. And you might find that there are patterns in the answer. If you don't, that's okay. You don't like it. Don't take it too seriously, but it might be really, really telling. You'll be surprised. Number three, and this is perhaps Sarah, the most powerful exercise of all the ones I'm sharing with you, but I still encourage you to take pen and paper and do them all. Okay. But here we go. This is what I'm, I'm going to explain this to you. Okay. When people ask us the question, what do you want to do? We often say, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't really know. I don't know what I want to be when I grow up, right? And we, we think that's the honest answer. I don't know. But I would like to challenge that. And I want you to challenge that. Because what I've found in my own life, and as I've spoken with many women, is I've learned that I don't know is not really I don't know. It's actually an answer that results from two things, two lies, actually, if I'll be very honest, two lies that we've believed for many, many years. Okay, there are two lies that take us to that default of I don't know, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I don't know what I want to be doing or who I want to be. And those two lies are number one, I've convinced myself that I'm not enough. Like there's no way I could do that Uh, Me, with my preparation, with my experiences, with my circumstances, like I don't have that education. I don't have that degree. There's no way I could do it, right? There's no way I could possibly do that. That being X, Y, Z, whatever that thing that really lights you up, right? That came from that paper that really jumped out at you. And number two, lie number two is, and I would never be able to make a living doing that. Can't make money at it. Okay, now here's what I want you to do, Sarah. Now that you have this awareness, okay, if you would take away those two lies, could you be X, Y, Z? Could you be that thing that's that, that, that lit you up? Okay, like write down what X, Y, Z is, right? Do that first extra that I told you, okay? And you have it in front of you and ask the question, if you took away those two lies, could you be X, Y, Z? Okay. Again, X, Y, Z is the thing that jumped out at you in exercise one. Okay. Ask yourself if you stripped it to the core without those two lies, could you be that person? Could you do that thing? And I'm not going to tell you the answer, but you know it. You know it, right? You know the answer. Okay. It's Y, E, S. Yes, of course you could. Okay. Now, I want to tell you one final thing, and that is that Fear is there for a reason, okay? It's there to protect you. And the reason I'm bringing fear is because that's what's underlying in in this whole conversation. And I can tell you this from from experience, okay? I'm I'm like literally speaking to myself. Um, It's there for a reason, Sarah and everybody else, to protect you. And you need to be well aware that your 
your more animalistic self, your lower self will present you with tremendous fear and tremendous um, rationalizations on why you should stay exactly where you are. And why being, as you said, quote unquote, addicted to being busy, as you said it, is just a ploy of the animal. I want you to be aware that it's just a game of the animal soul to keeping to keeping you keeping you from finding where you will shine the most. That's how you are being stopped by this busyness. And it, and you get adrenaline from being busy, right? And it feels, no, but it's good to be busy. It's productive. But really, that's just a trick that is keeping you from focusing and finding what is the place that you're going to shine the most. Because I can tell you, it is scary. It is scary to define ourselves and to take that leap of faith at something because... Then the question is, what if we fail, right? Have you been wanting to add meditation into your life? Some practical tools to be less reactive and more mindfully responsive as you go about your busy day? So have I. Thanks to many guests on the show, I've learned a lot about meditation and mindfulness, but the hard part is to get me to do it. Well, I'm finally doing it. I joined Dr. Asi Yankovic's Circle of Insight, and I'm loving it. If you want to incorporate meditation into your life because you recognize that it's important to restore your inner calm, I recommend you try Dr. Asi's Circle of Insight. You can head over to jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash circle to join and get 50% off your first circle by entering the code princess at checkout. You will gain a tremendous amount. Check it out at jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash circle. And hey, I might see you in there. It's my weekly self-care treat and I'm loving it. jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash circle and enter the code princess to receive 50% off your first circle. And you know the answer to that. Failure is feedback. And it's nothing to be scared of. It's more scary to stay in your comfort zone and not utilize our potential because we're too busy doing a million projects that don't really fulfill us. We're good. We might even be excellent at those. But it's not our super stellar thing. It's not our zone of genius. Actually, I want you to read a fabulous, fabulous book by Gay Hendricks titled The Big Leap. And you'll find it super helpful. Um, it's really, it, it really, yeah, I want you to read that and get back to me. So all in all, what I want you to do, Sarah, is I want to be, I want you to be cognizant that the always busy thing that you threw in there that you mentioned is just another ploy of the animal soul to keep you safe and not have you venture out too far into the world, too far off by shining your light too brightly, okay? Um but I know you know what your godly soul needs to, needs you to do. So do those exercises. And then when you think, here, here's something that I think is what I really want to develop, then you have to start trying it out. You have to start doing something to move that further. You have to start li with little actions. You have to go test it and get a little messy with it. And it might mean that then you have to drop some of the other things. And that's okay. You can put other things on hold. 
So try clearing your schedule of other things and focusing more and more on on the actions that will lead you to that one thing that's jumping out at you. Okay. And then one last thing I said, I told you, I would tell you three things when I've told you, I don't know, like five. Okay. But one final thing that is really important is I'd like you to write and to explore where these three things intersect. Okay. The following three things. What do I love? What am I good at? And what does the world need? And that's a great way to find that point of service where you're doing what you love and you would wake up every morning to do it and you could talk about it every single day with what you're good at, right? It's, a, it's an inherent talent and with what the world would need you to do, what the world is willing to pay you for because they need it and they need it from you specifically okay so i want you to think about that point of intersection where is that intersection and you might need to try things you know try things as you're coming up but the action is key you have to start getting busy doing that one thing that really lights you up and think you know if this is something that i would just talk about and write about or whatever might be all day long even if people didn't pay me, but here we're looking for paying because we want to make sure that the world values what you're offering, right? So is this something in the world needs? Is this something in the world is willing to pay me? And am I naturally good at this? Does it come easy to me? And then then we're off to the races, okay? So good luck, Sarah. I hope this was helpful. And please do keep me posted because, um, yeah, I seem to know a lot about this from a very intimate place. And so ladies, that's a wrap. Thank you so much to Sandy, to Lisa, to Anonymous, and to Sarah. And do keep me posted. And I had a few more questions, but we're out of time. So I'm going to leave them for another episode. Next week, we have a super cool interview um, with the founder of Fuente Latina. You will find that. It's an, it's an interview in English, but you'll find all about it next week. And I'm actually going to... Um, I'm actually going to close the survey. <laughs> so those of you who um, did enter... Um, your responses to the survey by next week <laughs> please god you should have in your inbox your gift cards those of you who actually win the raffle i have to raffle you off so this is the last chance i guess this week if you want to submit a survey uh responses to the survey it would be super super helpful for me to hear uh, more about you and you can find that at jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash survey and I look forward to reading your responses so far I've gotten a lot of things that were surprising and I guess I'll share with you um, next week what those things were but um, in the meantime I hope you have a wonderful wonderful week thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess podcast if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe on iTunes leave a rating and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit jewishlatinprincess.com.